Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from April 24th by Brother Todd Burgess, titled Matthew 3, verse 14 through 17. Well, it's good to see everyone here this morning, and I do appreciate the opportunity to come and and share and teach with you guys. I do have a, just a... Uh, a verse that was brought to my attention last week by two ladies, and I do appreciate that very much. Um, when someone wants to come and share God's word with me and, and how God had revealed some things to them, I'd made a statement that there weren't any lamb offerings for sin offerings. And there was a verse that two ladies brought to me, and I do appreciate it, that very clearly talked about a common person, and, and it's uh, Leviticus 4, verse 32. And so i got to make this, make, make this bright here because I, I had misspoken. And so um, in that verse it says, And if he bring a lamb for a sin offering, he shall bring it a female without blemish. Now, there is a lamb that is offered for a sin offering. And I wish I would have, I would, I would have seen this verse. Now, I made notes in my, in, my, in my message, and so I won't leave this verse out again. Um, but it's important because this verse tells some very important things. Um, one, this, this verse is for, for a common person could offer this if they choose to. Instead of, a lamb, instead of a goat or something else, they could offer a lamb. It was not for a ruler. It was not for a Levite. It was not for a priest. They could not offer a lamb. But a common person could. And that's very interesting um, because when you think about the priests, the kings, what are we today? What was Jesus when he came? He's the priest king. And so it's very fitting that this verse is here because it says that they could not bring it, but a common person could. But it also had to be a female lamb without blemish, without spot. Which also speaks about, when you look about the the. The, the first male that, that is born, whether it's of the flock or of a human be- of people, it's to be redeemed. It's to be given over. And again, you, this all makes allusion here to, to that very God protecting that Lamb of God. And so I do appreciate those, the two ladies that brought this verse to my attention. And uh, I, I have made note about that. So I'll, and I've actually added it to my sermon. Should I ever preach that sermon again? Um, because uh, that's very, very important. I appreciate that. Um, because if I ever get to the point to where I think I know it all, I need to stop being up here. Um, and, and need to go t- take a seat someplace. And so I do appreciate that. Because... After all, Acts 17, 11 says we, we are to be like the Bereans who, who received what was said, but then they went back to their homes and they studied the scriptures to make sure it was true. And that's what I'm current. I'm hoping you guys are doing that. I know two ladies are. I hope the rest are. So um, looking at today's message, though, um, again, I like to stand and, and, and when we read God's word publicly, uh, just to have everyone stand to read that. We're going to be in Matthew 3, verses um, 4. I'm going to go back to 14, but 14 through 17. I know 14 won't be on the slide up there. But it says, But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou unto me? 
And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Lord God, as we come before you, Father, as we open your word, may your Holy Spirit teach us. Because that's what your Holy Spirit does. He's our guide. He's our teacher. So teach us the truth, Lord, of what and why Jesus had to be baptized. For we pray this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, John's initial reaction was that Jesus should be baptized in him, not John baptizing Jesus. And so Jesus here is clearly instructing John that this has to take place. John must baptize Jesus. And why? To fulfill all righteousness. Now, folks, that is a very, very important passage, a phrase there. And we're going to come back to that a couple times in this message. We need to understand what that refers to. You see, we can't miss what John was saying to Jesus. John was saying, Jesus, I'm the sinner. You're not. This baptism is all about a baptism of repentance from sin. You're not a sinner. There's nothing you need to repent of. Why should I be baptizing you? You should be baptizing me. See, we need to remember that John's baptism was just that. It symbolized the washing away of sin. And so, how does baptizing Jesus fulfill all righteousness? This is basically the question that John had and that Jesus was, was, was talking about. Well, first, we, we, we need to look to see that Jesus, his baptism is the beginning of his public ministry. It's the beginning of his public ministry. In John chapter 1, Gospel of John, verses 30 and 31, it says, This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me. For he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. So what we see here is in the Gospel of John, John the baptizer is talking here, saying, I didn't know Jesus. But we know that's not true. We knew John knew Jesus. I mean, they're cousins. They were raised. John was six months older than Jesus. They, were, they, they, they met each other. They knew each other. But what he's saying here is, in verse 31 of this text, that he should be made manifest to Israel. So why was John baptizing? Because... That's how God said, I'm going to let you know who the Messiah is through baptism. Now that's important to understand. And this is why John says what he says, I knew him not. Otherwise, he was not confirmed who the, who the Messiah was. John believed that it was Jesus, but it had not been confirmed to him by God. And so... John would know, upon, know who the Messiah was based upon the result of his baptism. 
And so, again, we're going to come back to that and readdress that. You see, we've got to think about Jesus now is basically a nobody. Nobody really knew who Jesus was all up to this period of time. His whole life up to this point was, was in obscurity. There was a few proclamations that were made about his birth, but pretty much they were not made public. Mary, Joseph, you know, Annas, and a few of them at the temple. Other than that, there was nothing really publicly mentioned about Jesus. And so God had chosen to announce Jesus publicly in the desert and to use John, the baptizer, to be the one to do that. John, a person who is preaching repentance. Because that's the purpose of why Jesus came. That's why he came the first time. You see, one of the big allegations against Jesus is his identity with tax collectors and sinners. That was one of the big things that the Pharisees had a problem with him. And, oh, there's no way this guy could be the Messiah because look who he's associating with. And yet we see in Hebrews 4, verse 15, it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You know what? Jesus knows just how you feel when you sin, although he didn't sin, but he, he was aware of our infirmities. He cannot, he, 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 he's there. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And so, again, that question, why at this time did Jesus introduce himself? Why is it now? I really believe, when you look through the Old Testament, there are so many pictures of Christ. They're referred to as types of Christ. Moses being the biggest one. Moses was the biggest type of Christ because if you look at his life, it just you, you can see the parallels between Moses and Christ so often. And so you have those, those um, idioms, those, that, those, that's, those symbols out there. And Jesus coming at this particular time was one of those symbols. But I think we miss, we miss it too many times. We, we, don't, we don't recognize that symbol. In Luke 3.23, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, and I told you I'd promise you I'd get back to it, and today's the day I'm going to get back to it. It says, And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years old of age, being as it was supposed, the son of Joseph, and, and, and was the son of, of, of Heli. Now, Jesus is about 30 years old. Well, folks, I'm about 50. I'm 58, but I'm about 50. That's how we use that phrase. I'm about 30 years old. Some people say I'm about 30 years old and they're 65. A lot of ladies do that. I, I, I don't know why. I'm just kidding with y'all. But, uh, but that, that phrase is what, what they see. And so many, commentary, many commentaries will look and say, well, look, Joseph was 30 years old. David was 30 years old. Uh, when they began their ministry. The Levites couldn't go into the temple ministry until they were 30 years old. And so they look at that and they say, wow, what a, a great, a great, Jesus was 30 years old when he follows the, follows the pattern of everyone before him. But that's not what that text says. If we go back and look at that text, it says about 30. About 30. Otherwise he was in his 30s. That's what it means. He was in his 30s. 
But now I talked about in Luke, if you go back to the beginning of that chapter, Luke chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, that's when John the Baptist's ministry began. Well, the 15th year, that would make it 29 AD when John the Baptist began his ministry. John the Baptist is six months older than Jesus. Herod killed all the babies two years old and older. Herod died for BC. Now, my son, he's a math teacher. I'm not a math teacher. If my math's wrong, you let me know. Um, that would make Jesus' birth right about 6 BC. Our calendars are off. We can't use our calendars, okay? So, at 6 BC is when Jesus was born, and John was six months prior to that. 29 AD is when John began his ministry. So John's ministry began when John was about 35 to 36 years old. Jesus. Do you think Jesus came the very first year? Probably not. Because it's going to take John at least a year before the Pharisees and everyone starts coming to him and saying, hey, why are you doing these? Why are you Who's authorizing you to baptize? Who's authorizing you to do all these things? It probably took John a year to gain a big enough following because, first of all, John never did any miracles. So the only reason the Pharisees would give him any attention is because he's baptizing more than they are, and that's going to take time. And so John was probably out there for a good year. So it's probably the, in the second year, of John's ministry when Jesus came to John for, to be baptized, which would make Jesus about how old? Probably 37 years old, 36, 37 years old. Now, folks, that's very important. Very important. Especially when you look at idioms, types of Christs. Moses, when he presented himself to the nation of Israel, as their savior, how old was he the first time? 40 years old. And what did the people do? They rejected him. If Jesus was 36 and a half, 37 years old, when he entered his ministry, how old was he when he was crucified? 40 years old. To me, that's a whole lot picture, better picture. And what did the people do when he was 40 years old and he was crucified? They rejected him. Folks, we got to just really delve into scriptures or we miss these pictures of Christ, these types of Christ. Go back to Moses again. Why was Moses not allowed to go in the promised land? Okay. He sinned, but it was more than that because he had sinned before. He struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. The Moses already struck the rock prior, the first time. That was to picture Christ's death and burial. Speaking to the rock come forth, water come forth, was to demonstrate Christ's resurrection. And when he struck it, it ruined that typology, if you will. And God very much protects his symbolisms. And that's why Moses was not allowed to go in. Because that was more than just sin. That was Moses being disobedient 
to what God had planned. Now, so we have that taken care of. But that still doesn't answer the question of fulfill all righteousness. It answers the question as to, I believe, why Jesus chose now to, do, to, to come publicly uh, view the ministry. But it doesn't answer the question of fulfill all righteousness. We find that in verses 16 and 17, where it says in our text, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God ascending like a dove and light upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, this event and the signs around this event are extremely important and they cannot be overlooked. Okay? And so, remember I've been reading out of Gospel of John chapter 1, verses 29, 30, and 31 so far? Well, we need to understand something about, about that particular passage of Scripture in John. Now, it's John himself. It's, it's not the Apostle John. It's John the Baptizer is given testimony himself in that, in that passage of Scripture. And in verses 32 and through 34 of John 1, it says this. And this is John the, John the Baptizer speaking. And John bear record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining upon, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and, I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Now, this is John the Baptist giving testimony about what he saw at Jesus' baptism. So everything in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 17, take place before the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 20, or whatever it was there, uh, 17 through 34. It takes place before. Okay? And so John is giving a testimony about this. And so what did John say here in this 33rd verse? I knew him not. John did not know who the Messiah was. He believed it was Jesus. But it had not been confirmed to him. How was it going to be confirmed to John? By Jesus being baptized. Because that's what it says here. It says, but he that sent me. Now who sent John to baptize? The Spirit of God. God did. Okay? And so the Spirit of God, God told John, you need to go baptize people, and I'll confirm who the Messiah is to you when you baptize the Messiah. Okay? And so that's why John was baptizing. The one who sent me to baptize with water, the same said to me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining upon, the same is he that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And so John didn't know for certain who the Messiah was until he witnessed the Spirit of God descending upon him at his baptism. And then, and then John is saying it was the next day that John referred to Jesus as the Lamb of God. That whole phrase, the Lamb of God, everything we've been talking about in, in chapter 3 about the Lamb of God, it was the next day John 1.29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And then in John 1.35 and 36, 
It says again the next day. This is another day after John stood and two of his disciples and looked upon Jesus after, as walking, saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And so what you see, as I've already mentioned, this whole passage in 1 John 29-37 is all after Jesus' baptism. John is just remembering back, pointing back to what he witnessed. He's bearing witness to it. And so when Jesus comes to John and says in verse 15 of our text, Matthew 3.15, Suffer to be so now to fulfill righteousness. This was a day that God would reveal and confirm what John believed. And I can imagine John going, Oh, yeah, yeah, right, Lord. I will know that it's you when I baptize you. Can you imagine how excited John must have been to, to realize this is the day. This is the day that I know for certain that you're the Messiah, that you're the Christ. This is the day. Because the Holy Spirit, God told me, is why, this is the whole person why I'm baptizing. You see, this is so important. Now, Luke also, I, I like Luke. Luke, his gospel focuses on the man Jesus. Whereas John's gospel focuses on the deity of Jesus, as Jesus being God, okay? But in, in the very beginning, in Luke 3.21, it says, Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was open. What was Jesus doing right before he was being baptized? To get baptized, he began to pray. What was he praying for? Heavens to be opened. The Spirit of God to descend so that John could bear witness of the truth that Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, the Word of God that was shared with John could become true, could be fulfilled. Now folks, John saw this, understood this, and began to realize what was taking place. Prophecy was being fulfilled right there at that moment in John's life. The Messiah was being made known to the nation of Israel, to the whole world. Now what John and many of the disciples didn't know was that the Messiah wasn't going to kick out Rome and, and do that. That's the second coming of Christ. Not the first coming of Christ. First coming of Christ, he had to come and die because of our sin. He had to be rejected because of our sin. So now let's look at these three signs. That was the event of the baptism. Let's look at the three signs that are very important. And again, we can't overlook these three signs. Now, the first one, the heavens were opened up. That's the first sign. Now, this is the heaven where God dwells. This is the place where Stephen, when he was being stoned, looked into heaven and, and said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Okay? This is that heaven. This is... This is, this is um, um, God gave John the ability here to look into that heaven. John the baptizer, to look into that heaven and see the dove descend. 
Sometimes I think our view of heaven is wrong. It's not based upon scripture. On my personal view, which I believe is supported by scripture, is heaven where God dwells is very close to us. We just can't see it. I think it's as close as you look out and you see the moon, see all the details of the moon. That's, that's how clearly if we could see, we can see heaven. Because think about this. When Paul had his vision into the third heaven, he didn't go anywhere. His eyes were just open. When Peter, James, and John at the triumphal entry, not the triumphal entry, but, but at the uh, transfiguration, all of a sudden saw Moses and Elijah standing beside Jesus, their eyes were just opened. You see, we being human beings, when God created us, he created us in his image, but he didn't create us like the angels he created. Okay? There's a difference. He limited us to where we can only see three Dimensions. We can conceive of a fourth, but we only see three. Yet science has proven there's probably 10 plus dimensions out there that we can't see, but God does. When our eyes are opened, we can. When we're in our heavenly bodies, we'll see it all. I believe heaven is very, is very, very close. We just can't see it except for these glimpses when God opens people's eyes. And so the heavens were opened, the first sign, and John looked, and oh, there it is. And, and, and the Holy Spirit descended as a dove. Let's go to the third um, sign, and we'll come back to the second. The third sign was the voice of God. And so God speaks three times during the ministry of Jesus, God the Father. And allow and, and always speaks of his pleasure with Jesus. And so, what does the Father say? He says it here at his baptism. He says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He says that three times. Three different times. Okay? Here at the baptism. He said it at the transfiguration. And he says it, when Jesus is speaking about the cross in John chapter 12. And so what links these three events together? The death of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I always do those things that please the Father. He said that in John 12. I always do those things that please the Father. Wow, I wish I could say that. Don't you wish you could say that? See, this is something that's so important for us to realize. At the baptism here, we see the Trinity of God. The Son is there, Jesus, as the servant. In fact, that's the Son's role in the Trinity of God, as the servant. We see the Holy Spirit there, descending as a dove. What's the Holy Spirit's role? He's there as the guide, the teacher. And then we see the Father there, the voice out of heaven. And what's the Father there for? 
He's there as the authority. The authority. See, that's how the Trinity of God functions. That's how the Trinity functioned in the Old Testament. That's how the Trinity functions in the New Testament. That's how the Trinity of God is going to function throughout eternity. How are we, where do we fit into that? Jesus is our priest king, and who, what are we? We're priest kings also. We're to be servants also. Following the directions of the Holy Spirit, our guide, our teacher, and obeying the authority of the Father. Being obedient, hopefully doing everything the Father says to do. So that one day we will hear those good words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. But that leads us, brings us to this last point. This last uh, sign that was there. And it's, why did the Spirit descend in the form of a dove? See, normally the symbol of the dove is an idiom representing peace in secular society. It does. But if that's all we look at, we miss the bigger picture. To the Jew, it is the cheapest offering in the Levitical law for sin. Mary and Joseph could only afford two turtle doves. That's because the wise men hadn't come yet. It was two years later they came. So separate those pictures when it comes to the nativity scene. Um, and so if you want to find out the importance of the dove, you have to go back where the Bible first, the first time the Bible mentions a dove. And again, I mentioned this is the law of first mention. Where's the time the love dove is first mentioned? It's in Genesis chapter 8, verses 8 to 12. And I want to focus on verse 11. And it says, And the dove came into him, this is into Noah, in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew, get this, that the waters were baited from off the earth. And so here the dove with the olive leaf symbolizes that God's judgment has come to an end. God's judgment. Now what, what judgment was, was dealing with Noah? God's wrath was poured out in Noah's day. And just Noah and his family were saved and, and two of all the animals. And on seven of the clean. But his wrath was poured out. And the dove says, my wrath is done. My judgment of that generation is done. And God even confirmed it later on with a rainbow. That he had never, ever destroyed the earth like that again. Now he'll destroy it by fire, but not by water. And so in our text in Matthew, 3, in Matthew 3 here, we see that the Father's judgment of sin has come to an end. Remember I talked about it's necessary for all righteousness to be fulfilled? This is where it happens. God's judgment on me, on you, on the world. Because of sin is done. It's complete in what Jesus does. 
is complete in what Jesus does. And that's what's so important. This is why Jesus told John it's necessary for all righteousness to be fulfilled. You see, Jesus understood the purpose of his first coming, something his disciples didn't understand, something John didn't understand, was not to deliver Rome, but it was to deliver us from sin. And so the Father's pleasure in the Son is because the Son was always willing to be the sacrifice for all mankind's sin. And in doing so, fulfilled the Father's judgment on our sin, where Jesus became our justification. These last three, four messages have all been about the real plan of salvation, right? The real plan of salvation is you have to recognize God's judgment before you can receive his justification. That's important. If a person does not recognize they are a sinner born that way from birth, they cannot be saved until they recognize they're sinners because they've got to repent of their sin and then accept what Jesus did for them on the cross. That's what's so important. And so, because of what Jesus has done, we can now enter into the Father's throne room. We do that, hopefully, when we're praying. We enter into his throne room. Why? Because the blood of Jesus, it covers us. Jesus doesn't see Todd the sinner. He sees Todd who's been covered by Jesus' blood. He sees Jesus. And so Jesus here, with John the Baptist in our text, he begins his ministry being the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He begins his ministry that way. But he also ends the ministry, his ministry that way on the cross literally being the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's how all righteousness is fulfilled. It's what Jesus did, not anything we can do. And so today, do you know Jesus? Do you understand what Jesus did for you? price he paid, the suffering he had to go through. I hope you do. But if there's not a time in your life where the Holy Spirit of God convicted you of your sin and, and, and you recognize that you need Jesus because you're a sinner, today could be that day. You know, the Bible is very clear. The Bible says that it's God's will that all people get saved. But at the same time, God knows all people won't be saved. Some will choose instead to go to hell. But it's their choice. See, this is that conflict between, you know, um, God's all power man's choice. I don't know how that works, but God does, and it's good with him, so it's good with me. 
I'm not getting into that debate. The Bible says don't get into that debate. All it does is cause divisions. But do you know Jesus? That's why he came. If you don't know Jesus, today's the day you can get saved. If you're, if you're a Christian and you haven't been walking the way you need to be walking, today's the day to get that right too. You don't have to come down here and say anything down here. But I have found, normally you walk out that door, you'll walk back in next under the same condition. See, we're here as a family of God. We're here as a church to come together to uplift one another. To help one another. To encourage one another. You who are more spiritual are to come alongside those that are hurting and that are in sin. Not to condemn them, but to lift them up, to encourage them to come away from that sin. And so this, this invitation time is for you as well. So many reasons to come to the altar. My prayer is that you'll take advantage of it. Let's, let's stand and pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.